0: But justification is sort of one of the roots, and we're gonna talk more about that, but root and fruit is what my husband always says. You can't have fruit unless you have the roots, and justification and sanctification are the roots. So if we're trying to get the fruit without the roots, then it's like, uh, what's that book, oh my goodness, where you're stapling fruit on the trees um, isn't, that's, it a, isn't it a kid's book? Is yeah. It kid's is book? it Shepherding yeah. a Child's Heart? Uh-huh. Okay. But I, that it's image has always stuck with me because mm-hmm. when we try to do, and this is the tricky thing with sanctification as it plays out in our lives, when we try to put in the effort just to get the fruit without it flowing from that root of what Jesus has done for us, it's kind of like that whole stapling fruit on a tree mm-hmm and saying that it's coming from that tree when it's not. Does that make
1: sense? Yeah. I think um, the legal word, like Mm -hmm. it being bound in legal form, I think that's Mm -hmm. a really helpful way of thinking about it. Legally, we're declared righteous at that Mm -hmm. point. And then the sanctification process, if you think about it, the definite sanctification, it's how we're seen by God at that point. So it's how he sees us. He sees us as holy at that moment in time. Um, And yet we are growing in holiness as we grow in the grace and knowledge of God too. So that's good. That's a great question. Um, we would love to know a little bit more about the conversion of your parents and all that happened. That's such yes. a beautiful story. You write about it I in the, um, your chapter mm-hmm. uh, that you contributed to my testimonies, His Heritage. Mm-hmm. That was edited by Christiane Wheeler, friend mm-hmm. of ours.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it's just a beautiful thing. I'd
0: love to hear more. So I, I thought I was going to touch on it yesterday, and I totally forgot, but I was raised in, so my parents immigrated from Taiwan in the 70s, and they went straight to Southern California, and that's where I was born and raised, and I grew up in a home where we practiced, Aaron mentioned it yesterday, we practiced um, idolatry that was very external, like you could see it because there were Buddhas all over our house, there were idols. Um, I grew up practicing ancestor worship where you would sacrifice. So the idea of sacrifice to me was not a new one, um, but we were sacrificing to ancestors in order to get prosperity here and the life that we wanted here. So that's just kind of how we grew up. And then my dad, who was very opposed to Christianity um, because the Christians he knew growing up were incredibly unkind. So talk about being a holy people who are distinct. It's sad, but he just didn't know those Christians to be kind to him, so he his whole life was just sort of opposed to Christianity, and man, the Lord just pursued him and pursued him, and he was on a business trip in China, and he decided to do some touristy stuff, and he went to the top of the Great Wall, like a section of it, and if for anybody, anybody ever been to the Great Wall of China? okay, there's a few people. Like when you get there, you cannot come down. There's no elevators. There's no, and these steps are like really um, deep and very shallow at the same time. It's very scary, actually. It's a Stairmaster on steroids. It is a Stairmaster on steroids. And he got to the top and I guess completely um, his body just shut down. And he he sat down and he said, I'm going to die here. But he said the first impulse in his mind was to pray. And he, was, he did not know where that came from. But he said, I'm just going to pray to this God people have told me about. And he said, if you spare my life, when I go home, I will bring my family to church. And he has no idea why that was the first. I mean, it's the Lord. We know now it's the Lord. But he said in that instant, he was fine. So he made it back, made it to America. He gets home and all he's like, kids were going to church, and we were like, what? we've been asking you to go to church, because like, we have all these friends who are going to church. And um, So he brought us to church, he would drop us off, and then he'd go to the parking lot to smoke. And But he kept his word to God, because he told God he would bring his family to church. And so God blessed the, the pastor who noticed, like this family shows up, and the dad's always in the parking lot. Um, so he approached my dad, and they struck up a conversation that led to basically evangelistic bible studies with my parents and they just, came to faith so let's be
1: clear the person that reached out went out of his way in a parking lot of the church yes and then the initiation was to actually study scripture together yeah. not just go hang out and get coffee yeah. or whatever
0: it was yeah it's amazing what the holy spirit gets us to do because my dad is not he at that point he was not the warmest and most friendly guy to approach. And so I just thank God for that pastor who did the uncomfortable thing of approaching him. But he, my parents came to faith within that year, and I was about 11 at the time. And what I remember distinctly was he rounded up all the idols around the house. And then it must have been like a Saturday or something, because we were all home and we we're watching him, and he we had this like three foot tall Buddha statue that, that cost them like hundreds of dollars. We were told like, you don't play with it. You don't touch it. Like, this is, you know, this is our God. Um, he took that thing into the backyard. It's like three feet tall, Start, he brings out an ax and he just starts chopping it to pieces. And I'm looking through the window and I think that was the first time in my mind that the category for repentance flooded my consciousness like when you follow Jesus it demands the killing of your idols like you cannot follow anyone but Jesus that was like a very very clear picture it was a visual representation of what was actually occurring
1: inside his soul
0: yeah it
1: was it was yeah so just praise God, praise God, because look at the fruit. I speaking know. of fruit that has been born out from that repentance and faith. Yeah, well, that's so wonderful. Um, so you spent some time overseas with your husband over in uh-huh. Dubai working with Redeemer with mm-hmm. uh, Dave and Gloria Furman, mm-hmm. um, and it was about six years, right? About six years. Yep. Okay. Um, I would. They they would love to know a little bit more about this. So we okay. got a chance together with a few ministry women on Thursday night yeah. to talk about it. But let's share with them a little bit what you enjoyed being over there. Um, and just being Chinese yourself, mm-hmm. and raised in Southern California, which uh-huh. just has a fairly large Chinese population, but yeah. then going over to Dubai—it's a very interesting place. Very so interesting share. Place. So are, we have ministry workers Hannah and Michael Abraham, yeah, who are over at Covenant Hope, that's another right. church plan BCCB. Um, so that we are familiar, somewhat familiar with with the ministry over there. But share from your experience what it was like culturally and mm-hmm. ministerial wise.
0: Um, cult- that's a really good question because. I was just thinking about this last night. We moved there, I mean the Lord sent us there, but what sort of became the catalyst for saying yes was the church because when we went to visit, we were to, I was telling the ladies it was a horrible visit and I, I kept saying to my husband, we're not moving here. <laughs> like, we just went to see it and I was like, we're not moving here, we're not moving here. And then the last, towards the end of the trip, we actually went to visit the church And there was just sort of this cloud hanging over the visit. It was hard. We had a a really little baby, six months old, and it was just rough. And we turned the corner to go to service, and it was like the clouds parted. And it's over, I mean, our church had over 50 different nationalities, different countries represented. And when you saw it, it was just so stunning because it was a representation of what I think heaven will be like. I know heaven will be like every tribe tongue a nation that is God's promise and that is God's plan is every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so, when we saw that, we were like, "Oh, the like, how do you say no to this?" And it comes with its challenges because every you have all these different subcultures, subcultures too, yeah. and then you're all um, trying to live out your holiness together. So it can be challenging, but it was just such a sweet, sweet season of our life. I struggled with um, the working, the not even the working class, how do I say this? Dubai has a developed country veneer, but underneath is it is not. There's sort of this underbelly of there's slavery, there's indentured servitude. We had friends who were maids who had their passports confiscated and they were just stuck in the country, couldn't go back to their country to be with their family. So you've got a lot of these things happening under the surface, and but a lot of the folks that were coming from other countries to work in Dubai, they came from the Philippines, and I look Filipino. So I'm ethnically Chinese, but when I got to Dubai, everybody thought I was Filipino. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked at how I was treated. Mm-hmm. So Well, there's that a was story, I think, about you and
1: Jason in a store. That's oh my when- gosh, you remember that? Oh, yeah that one that one stuck wow, with me so cuz i thought i have not experienced that that is not what i know of christianity in what? the world
0: you have a good memory is it the st- i'm i mean the one i'm thinking of was we went to a store to get yogurt well that's the one i'm thinking of mm-hmm. and then the the in the the woman at the counter was like when i went to order after my husband who he's He's white, so we're very. It's a very unique couple in Dubai. Um, so he ordered, and then when I ordered, the the woman was like, "Why are you ordering?" And she, and so then he was like, "Yeah, yeah, take her order." And and then we realized that she thought I was his servant, so she just could not conceive. She was like trying to figure it out. Um, she was like, "You're together?" And I was like, "Yeah." yeah, we're together. And it, but it ended sweetly. She said, does he have a brother? I was like, oh. but I, I didn't know that part. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It made me laugh so hard. But... I mean, that that was, like, one of the funnier stories. I think there was just a lot of also sad and hard shopping. moments. Shopping.
1: I mean, I just remember you shopping in the grocery yeah. store, and you're trying to get help, and then they wouldn't help you, and then mm-hmm. he had to come around the corner, and then they saw him, and then they finally gave you oh, help. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yes. Yeah, you had, you've had a couple so, of those. I
0: had a couple of those. And, you know, I think how it relates to, like, sanctification, that during that time, I'm thinking I'm having to adjust to, like, Dubai, like, all these cultures, but really what – God had me wrestling with was I felt very irritated that I was being treated a certain way. And I wasn't even being conscious of how like, there's a whole bunch of people being treated this way in Dubai and I'm just sitting there wrestling with like, I don't like to be treated this way. And I think it was a really good time of wrestling with my identity in Christ Mm -hmm. and it not being in like uh, other things that um, the way that people treated me. And, And it was also just a really, Um, great learning experience though it was hard um, learning what members of my church are going through on a regular basis Mm -hmm. so yeah it was yeah I had challenges Um,
1: what was what was hard for you to come back what do you miss like when you look back on that season oh
0: I miss the church for Mm -hmm. sure um I like in processing this I had written an article for for journey women about the the joy of missions and I did not wanna to go to the Middle East. When, when we were in DC, I distinctly remember seeing a plane for Saudi Arabia, and all the women were wearing abayas, which is a black robe that covers them from head to toe. And I remember looking at them, I'm like 26 at the time, and I, I looked at all these women getting on the plane and their abayas, and I thought, I will never live in a country where you have to wear that. I said that, I said that. And in my arrogance and just, oh, I said it, and the Lord was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're never." <laughs> yeah. And and I'm
1: in the south.
0: <laughs> <And> I-, <laughs> I said I will never live in the south. So and here we are. There, I said Welcome. I would never marry a pastor. <laughs> yes. There you go. So, um, so yes, I I think what is so neat and how the Lord works is, um, He takes those things that you think will be very hard, yes. and they are hard, and then He like transforms them into something beautiful. And so a place that I didn't wanna go ended up being the hardest place I've ever left. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that's the Same. Lord for you, yeah. so yeah.
1: and Because he's the one who's at work in our hearts and yes. all of that. So speaking yeah. of the, the way he works in our hearts yeah. and does that work of sanctification, mm-hmm. um, you were talking about not always saying, oh, I'm being sanctified, that begrudging yeah. idea. So give us an example or two of joyful ways or ways that sanctification has been a sweet thing in your life.
0: Mm. It doesn't have to be
1: anything big, but just a few examples for us to kind of hang our hats on. I yeah. think, yeah, that's, that's actually a sweet thing.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I to be honest, I was doing the uh it's so sanctifying literally until I prepared for this. So <laughs> that tells you. But I think that's the fruit of it. I think that really is the fruit of it. And even just thinking about today's talk, like every time we are given a command as Christians or a way that we need to live out our holiness, there is... Spoilers again. There's always um, what we call indicatives. Like, it's always linked to... That's your Bible teaching coming out there. That's the Bible teaching coming out. The indicative
1: imperative connection. Yeah,
0: so that's where... It's always linked with an eternal truth. That's what I've noticed in the Christian life. Like, huh, every time he tells me to do something, there's also... A timeless truth that goes with it. God's not just asking us, um, it's not a new form of like Old Testament law. It's everything He asks us to do is tied to an eternal, timeless truth. And it's usually, it's almost always centers around who Jesus is. So I think, in terms of practically, um, you know, one practical way is as you read your Bibles, just to look for it. Like every time you read a command, look at the whole context and look for the indicative. Look for that timeless truth. And because what you want to do is like the only time there's joy in obeying God is when your mind is also tying it to what he's done. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of the spiritual discipline of constantly tying what you do to what God has done. And when that happens, I my heart is flooded with joy. <clears throat> and it's when you see it worked out, too, in your yeah. own life.
1: It's yeah. the time when you're like, oh, I didn't respond like I normally do just yeah. then. And you're like, that's God's work in my life. Um, it's the same that's thing the when best. we see it in other people, too. Like when you see it in your kids and yeah. they stop, you can see that they're about, to, and then they don't. And you're yeah. like, well, that's
0: the Lord's work in their life. It's funny you say that because I think... Um the other thing is women in my life who have yes. helped point out victories, which is just so crucial to do, sisters. Absolutely, like pointing point out, out, in out each evidences other. of grace in yeah, each other's yeah, yeah. lives is a lost art. Yeah, yes, it is a lost art. But I think that those sisters who would say, "I see you, I see the Lord at work in you," keep going, man. Though I think that has like just carried me. At different times so. well
1: if we think about it like paul talks about it we are running a race right he uses that mm-hmm. imagery of racing so if we're all racing if you've ever done any kind of sporting event you know that there are times in the race when you're ready to just you know get off and yeah. like i don't want to do this anymore but if someone on the sideline that's why in like marathons they have bands mm-hmm. and people throwing things at you and scream at you you don't know them from adam and they come along and run alongside you for a moment there's something so invigorating about that and that is what the church is Yes. We are to come alongside each other and scream, "You can do it! Keep going!" And when you trip and fall and you're bloodied and you feel mm-hmm. like you can't make it, sometimes somebody gives you a piggyback for a little bit, you know. And that's that's what because mm-hmm. we're all in that race yeah. of sanctification with one another. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um. So okay. So you're thinking about this. You're pre- preparing for um, uh, the talks on sanctification here. And so why all of this um, work on sanctification, Beth? What's <laughs> what's why why this
0: topic? So. So Erin wrote her book on the church, the doctrine of the church, and so there, there's that series, Good Portion series, um, which I highly recommend. So You've got salvation, scripture, the church, what uh, God, um, and so Carrie, who is our dear friend, has asked me to do the one on sanctification, but I have three young children, and I wear other hats, and my husband just planted a church, and so... This book's gonna take a long time to. Be, to so and
1: this is a call for us to pray for so that work. So this is a
0: call. Please pray, um, because I I do. My hope is that yeah, women would pick up a book about sanctification together, and just be filled with joy and not dread or burdening. Because that is what Jesus came to do. He came to unburden us. And if the Christian life feels like a burden to you, then that means there's something. There's there's a there's a piece of the chain that's missing because this should, this doctrine should produce joy. So that is, that's, so you all are kind of getting the first, I don't know. What do you, what do you call it? Like I have not taught this. So the fir- you're the, the first, first draft. You're getting the first draft. yeah. But that's <laughs> so, where these
1: questions, like that's why if you ask questions, like you still yeah, send it's them helpful. in it's so because helpful. these are things that are going to help her in her writing. So something has come up yes. even while we're talking like what you would like to know about, if, like, if you wanted to pick up the book and you have a question about something related to sanctification, you would like to make sure she covers in that book. Send me the questions. I'm going to print them out for her because that will help in her preparation as she gets through this. Because remember, these books are just a beautiful, um, quick, they're not um, light, mm-hmm. but they're accessible is the way we always put it. And mm-hmm. they're written by women, for women, because we're using feminine examples and feminine ideas
0: which yeah. help us identify with them. I mean, even last night, Um, I I think it was Cindy, I was talking to Cindy, and she came up and mentioned perfectionism, and I was like, I didn't even touch on that. Like, just the idea that how that plays out for us as women, perfectionist tendencies for some of us, and how does that relate to sanctification? It totally does, so your questions are very helpful. Your comments are very helpful,
1: yeah. Um, We just have a couple more minutes here, but I would love for them to hear a little bit about what you're doing, Um, so you're you're, obviously You're wearing a lot of hats, Uh but one of those hats is that you're working with Taylor Turkington doing the the, um, women's Bible. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that work that you do and what that looks
0: like. So Bible equipping started, I think, during the pandemic. It used to be a ministry of the Gospel Coalition, and then it's now spun off into... Um, It's a really really neat and unique ministry because they really want to support local churches and not every local church is large enough to um, Do a lot of things for equipping women, so Bible equipping basically is a set of like Tracks and then they help put on Conferences in different regions right now. They're mostly focused on the West Coast um, but they have done them on the East Coast. But it, it's really neat. You, you pick a track and then you learn things like how to study the Bible, the coma method, how to read, interpret, apply. Um, you learn things like evangelism. What is the theology behind it? How do we practically do it? How does the church build a culture of ev- evangelism? You learn things like the story of the Bible, how your Bible fits together to tell one story because that's very important to know if you're trying to understand your Bible is that it's one story from beginning to end. So stuff like that, I love it, What love do you? It. What's your wheelhouse in that time? So mine, I primarily teach the story of the Bible. So you could see it come out like as I teach, like it's always on, on my mind because the Bible is just so seamless. It is from Genesis to Revelation, oh my goodness, like you get to the end of Revelation and all the covenants are there all the things that were promised in the Old Testament are there, and it's very affirming to our faith. So, Erin and I were joking about how, like, before I went to DC, like, when I got to DC, I was like, what just happened to my, she was saying, what happened to my Bible? Because there's just a lot of things that I wasn't taught, and so I love that Bible equipping gives all these different tools that will help women understand their Bible and draw near to the Lord. And what a wonderful thing that it
1: comes alongside as a parachurch ministry should do. It's it's like the bridesmaid to the bride, the Mm, church, the assistant to helping equip the local churches. Because
0: that is, that always is my concern Mm -hmm. is that sort of, um, you know, I think as women, we do love events, but in particular, I think when you think about like how you spend your time, I just really want to support local churches. So... If it's something that is not necessarily gonna support um, women, building up women in the local church, um, it's not as high as a, as a priority. But that's why I like Bible Clipping and um, different things because they really do want to come alongside women in the local church so that they can do spiritual good to other women in their church, so and help in that sanctification process right sanctification well and what process. you
1: yourself have experienced is that just starting even with the story of your parents mm-hmm. um that is a picture of the mm-hmm. lord at work and sanctifying yeah. your dad and then just for you even coming to dc and sitting under that level of teaching yeah was a continuation of yeah. the sanctification process and now you're participating with this bible equipping mm-hmm. um for the ladies it's as crazy well.
0: yeah it, it just feels like wow I really can't believe. Yeah, we get to do this. Yeah. it's nuts. It's nuts, Lord.
1: Um, well, we're super thankful you've been with us. We're thank super excited to hear me. you talk just a little bit more about the practical nature of what sanctification yes. looks like, worked out as we think about not being perfectionists, yeah. but being made new in God's image, right? Yes, yes. Um, and That's made it. more and more into the likeness and image. We're done. We so, can go yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron right. just said <laughs> yeah, No, but we're we're grateful. So I'm going to pray for us. Okay, thank we'll you. We'll finish up. Thank you so much, Bev. Lord God, we're grateful for the way that you who started a good work in us. You're faithful and you will complete it. And we're thankful that we have our sister and my friend Bev here with us to be able to talk more um, specifically about what that looks like in our lives. We pray that you would give her boldness with her words and clarity. We pray that you would open up our eyes and ears and hearts to be able to hear the truths of your word. Um, That we would walk away from this time together, women who are bonded together as sisters in Christ, but also recognize that we are daughters of a king um, and it is to whom it is you to whom we serve and love and um, give our lives to. Um, we're thankful. Lord for the gift of Jesus, may we um, bring all glory to him today. Amen.